statements. Remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept thy testimonies. Princes also did sit and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. Thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. Now, what we're seeing here in Psalm 119, again, is a complete treatment, is a look at God's Word from every conceivable angle. And this, again, uh, as much as we can understand, might be what we would call the prayer diary of the psalmist. This includes his whole life. The first set of eight verses gives us an overview. And if you'll just take the first verse, and this will not hold true the whole way through the psalm, but in these first three sets here, it says, Blessed are the undefiled in the way. Now look at verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? He's saying, here's the goal. I, this is where we're supposed to be. We want to be undefiled in the way. But as a young man, how am I going to get a straight life? How am I going to cleanse my way, prepare my life to be that undefiled in the way? And we go through all of those verses in that second set. And he ends with this idea, I will delight myself in thy statutes I will not forget thy word. And then we come to verse 17 where we begin tonight. It says, deal bountifully with thy servant. Why? Here's the goal. That I may live and keep thy word. So I've titled this third strophe. The first one is the overview. What the blessed way, the blessed life is. The second one is... How do I get there? This one is living in the way. Now, if I were to ask every one of us here, uh, I would believe that not one of us here would say, I don't care about God's Word. I don't care about His way. I'm, I'm just not concerned about those things. It's not important to me. I'm going to live my life my way and I don't care. I would hope there'd be no one like that here today. And if there is, I'm going to challenge you. Ask some of these people that are just a little older. And they'll tell you what happens when you live your life your way. Could I get some amens from some people who did that? If you want God's blessings, if you want to have a real life, I mean, oh, what was that guy? I can't even remember his name. He was the drummer in one of those big uh, rock groups from the 60s. Rolling Stones drummer, whatever his name was. He just died a little while back, I think. But, I mean, everybody knew his, his mark on life were that his hands shook so bad that he couldn't even hold his drumsticks. Uh, unless the music was going and all of this, because, I mean, he just stood there when they were doing the interviews, and he was like this, because he had blasted his mind. And I mean, what kind of life is that? Oh, yeah, had millions of dollars in the bank. And I guess everybody's heard the new thing, right? Larry King's getting another divorce. How many of you are shocked? 
And this is only the seventh time. Um, what is that the life that you want? That's not, that's not life as far as I'm concerned. I, was, I had to take little Jason to the doctor today. And there was a young lady sitting beside me and she had a baby there that was about a month old. And, and she said, congratulations, when she saw uh, uh, Jason. And, and I said, how are you? And, and I said, is that your first? Oh, no, this is my second. And she said, is that your first? <laughs> and I started laughing. I said, no. And she just looked at me. Kind of, I said, it's our 12th. <laughs> but this is the response that I get from most. Un- God bless you. Oh, he most certainly has. Amen. I'll tell you. This idea of bountiful. If you'll look here, when we hear this, our first thought would be directed, if we're not careful, if we don't study the words, would be that, oh, the psalmist just wants money in the bank, just wants a good life, just wants to have the ability to enjoy life. That is not what the word bountiful means. The word bountiful comes, and the root of this word means to wean, to, uh, to deal with completely. It's, it's one of those Hebrew words that's translated several different ways, but the idea is to wean a child, to bring that child to the point to where that child is no longer dependent upon his mother for his nourishment. To deal bountifully. The idea here is to bring to maturity. Remember verse 9? We have the young man. How is he going to cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. And the psalmist here is not just saying, give me lots of everything. I want to have a bountiful life. He's saying, whoa, wait a minute. He's saying, God, I want you to mature me fully. How many of you have ever been around a little child that starts eating real food? Isn't that a lot of fun? I mean, it's all over his face and all over his bib and all over the chair and all over whoever decided to try to help feed him. Or her, as the case may be. I mean, it's everywhere. And little children begin to experiment. And you, you give them uh, different types of food. And you have to be really careful how you do this. Because uh, sometimes little children will develop allergies to certain foods. Uh, you, you don't just take the dinner, throw it in the blender, mix it up, and start feeding. You have to give them one little thing at a time. But as you train this child, as you experiment with more foods and finally get to the point to where they're eating 
exactly the same food. Now, we've, we've had several different experiences with this. It's been hilarious. Uh, one of the children, if it did not come out of a jar, they wouldn't eat it. If you took it off your plate, mashed it up, put it on their plate, would not touch it. Open the jar, just ate it like it was. And what my wife would do is she would, when you couldn't see, take the food, put it in a blender, and pour it into the jar, then open it and ate it right down. So we knew that it wasn't a problem uh, other than discipline. And then we had another one that if it didn't come off your plate, they wouldn't eat it. And so you had to work with this thing. This idea of dealing bountifully. When a baby's first born, there's only one food that will do. They had an amazing discovery. They said, if mothers will only breastfeed their babies, it will save thousands of lives and millions of dollars in medical expenses. Wow. I wonder how many millions of dollars it took them to discover that point. Why, why can't we just let the Lord teach us some things? Amen? I mean, the Lord took care of this. And I understand there are times when, when that can't be. But listen, God designed things and he, he did it right. And he's saying, listen, deal bountifully. As a child that is growing, mature me your way, God. Teach me. You have to teach a child to eat good food. I mean, it's not natural for a little child to love spinach. But if they get the idea that they're going to eat it anyway, they'll learn to like it. And we have to, we have to work on that. If we have guests over and, and they're making spinach... I have to tell them, hey, leave some for the guests because, I mean, they'll fight over spinach. Uh, everybody wants it. And that's a good thing. But you have to be trained that way. It doesn't happen naturally. And this is what is dealing bountifully. The psalmist is saying, God, you mature me. Teach me to desire the things that you want me to desire. Teach me to like the things that are good for me. If you can only teach a child to start eating food that is good for them, you have solved many of the issues that they will deal with later in life. And the psalmist is saying, deal bountifully. Why? So I can live. I want a life. Now, if I'm living, what am I going to be doing? And keep thy word. If I'm not living, I'm going to be disobedient to thy word. I'm going to miss out on the blessings of the first eight verses. I am not going to be able to rejoice in, in all of the things that are in the second eight verses. And so the psalmist here is saying, listen, it's not just a plea to have things. It's a plea to live, to live the way that God wants us to live, to grow up and experience 
the things that God wants us to experience. Paul said, for me to live is Christ. There is no life outside of obedience to God's Word. I can stop and ask tonight. Who here could give me a testimony of something wonderful that happened in your life because of disobedience to God's Word? That's the answer. But we could take the rest of our service tonight and just say, listen, what good has happened in your life because of obedience to God's Word? Some people could say, listen, I was, I was held in bondage by certain sins, and I've released them. Some would say, listen, I've battled battles that no one sees in the mind and the emotions and all of these things, and because I've been obedient to the Word of God, I've found relief. Some would say, I've battled, battled with guilt and, and, uh, and all of these uh, bitterness and unforgiveness, and I've found release by being obedient to the Word of God. I found peace. I found direction. I found purpose to my life. That's what dealing bountifully means. And the whole purpose for God maturing us His way, preparing us, there should be a time in the life of the Christian where we begin to feed ourselves. Amen? I, it's, it's a lot of fun. My, my wife always says, not yet. Not yet. Because I, I love to feed the baby cereal. and I mean, I can't do much. But, but I like to do my part. And I gave Peter a spoon or two of, of uh, lima bean soup when he was about two weeks old. It didn't hurt him, but I, I gave him just a few drops. But I got... A lot of grief over that because you're not supposed to do that stuff. Um, you got to wait until they're a little older. But it's fun to watch the food get smeared all over the place and watch them like new things. And But it wouldn't be fun to sit down to the table and have to put a bib on your 20-year-old son and feed him. There'd be something really bad wrong. The psalmist says here, let me grow up so that I can live. I'll tell you, there's a lot of joy in bringing a new little life into this world. But there's just as much joy in watching that little one begin to take off. And when I say little, I'm talking 18, 20 years old when they began stepping out on their own and making their own decisions and then calling you up and saying, you know, I think this is the direction that God's leading me in my life. What do you think? I think you ought to go back and rethink what God's direction for your life is. Okay. And then they come back and they give you an answer that is biblical. There, there's, there's nothing more pleasant and more wonderful that's being dealt bountifully with. There's nothing more tragic. The most difficult job of being a pastor is watching people as 
we talk about this very thing. And then they make a decision that is not according to God's word. And sometimes, being the shy, timid, thumb-sucking fellow that I am, I just want to stop. But you know what? It won't do any good. It won't work. If you won't listen to what is written, you won't listen to anything else. Go to Luke chapter 16. The rich man lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and said, Send Lazarus to tell my brothers. I don't want them coming here. He said, they got Moses and the prophets. Oh, but you don't understand, Abraham. They're not going to listen to Moses. They're not going to listen to the Word of God. He said, listen, if they won't listen to the Word of God, and I know everybody likes a Christmas carol, Ebenezer Scrooge and all that, but that's fiction. Didn't really happen. Hope I didn't pop anybody's bubble tonight. But the only way you can have your life changed is by God dealing bountifully with your soul according to His Word. You've got to teach little children to like good food. If you don't, if you let them eat what only they want to eat, you're going to be in trouble. Because they will tell you what they want. And I'll promise you, potato chips taste better than spinach. Candy bars are much better than mashed potatoes and gravy. But are they good for you? No. You've got to learn to like good food. And this is what the psalmist is pleading for. And he goes... Open thou mine eyes, verse 8, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Now, I want to ask you a question here. We're going to try to get through all eight verses, and I think we're going to do it. But I want to ask you a question. When is the last time in your daily Bible reading, as you were just reading the Scripture, that something just jumped off the page? Now, if you have to stop and think about it, then you need to start praying what the psalmist was praying right here. Open thou mine eyes. Because let me tell you, it's in here. This book is full of things that are just more wonderful than the heart can imagine. How many times do we say, and we use this, I just don't see it. I, I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. Where The psalmist did not have problems with his eyesight. He didn't need his contact lens prescription adjusted. What he wanted was he was reading the words, but all they were was words. He said, God, let those words come to life in my soul. Let me behold, let me look at the wondrous things that are in thy law. How the world just continually loves to berate the Bible. It's just a book of do's and don'ts. No. There are wondrous things in this book. There are things in this book that God has put there because He wants you to stop and stare at them. He wants you to look at them and study them. 
He wants you to rotate it and look at it at from different directions. By the way, that takes a little bit of work. That doesn't come just to the, okay, I got my three pages I got to read here and my four pages I got to read there. Now, ah, I finished my Bible reading. Listen, you're never going to find anything wondrous in God's Word by just trying to keep up with your Bible reading schedule. You're going to have to spend some time talking to the author. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. How can a man understand the things of a man, save the spirit of a man that is in him? And all the women in here should say, Amen, right? And guys, if you think you understand ladies, you got more problems than you ever thought you could have had. Because God made men and women different. You can't understand. God didn't mean us to analytically analyze each other. He made us to live together and work together to serve Him. That's what marriage is all about. Amen? You can't understand. That's why I really get tickled, if it weren't so sad, with all these people that speak for the animals. And they, they want to talk about how the deer feel when they're hunted by the mean, evil hunters, of which I am one. Uh, and they want to talk about uh, how uh, we are taking all the habitat away from these. And, and they just go on and on and on and on and on. Most of it's lies. You know, if you met face-to-face an Alaskan brown bear, he would not feel one bit sorry about having part of you for dinner. It, it wouldn't affect him one little bit. In fact, it would be a whole lot easier to have you than it would be to go out and catch something else. Because human beings aren't that hard to catch, contrary to popular belief. We're pretty dumb. Listen. As we look through this, it, it says, open mine eyes. Open thou mine eyes. Only God can let us see the things that are in His Word. Only the Holy Spirit of God can make God's Word make sense to us that what is written down here is not just a set of do's and don'ts. I'll tell you, the Bible is not incorrect when it says the pleasures of sin are for a season. Some of you have lived that season. You have enjoyed those pleasures of sin and you think somehow that that pleasure is going to continue on and on and on. That everything is just going to be another realm of pleasures. Hey, life doesn't live that way, my friend. There comes a time when it all catches up. There's not a Marlboro man that didn't end his life in a cancer ward in a hospital somewhere. That's history. Look it up. Many of those people who advertise cigarettes died from them. How many of you ever remember Ricky Ricardo? Last time I heard him on the radio, he was, Don't smoke cigars. That was one of the last things he ever said publicly. Oh, he enjoyed life, let me tell you. Had everything a man could want to have. 
except a happy marriage. He died knowing that if he hadn't smoked all those cigars, he probably could have lived another 10 or 15 years. Listen, open mine eyes, open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. God's judgments. When God says something is right, there's a reason for that. God does not call sin arbitrarily sin because He just thinks that if we will learn to discipline ourselves and say no to good things, that we'll be better people. That's a lie. God calls sin, sin, because those things are not good. They will only give you a temporary pleasure, and if you choose to indulge in them, they will kill you, every one. How many people die, are going to die in the United States this year, because of immorally transmitted diseases? How many little babies are going to be born retarded because the parents that gave birth to them carried diseases in them when they were conceived? You know, these are statistics that you're not going to get. How many innocent people are going to die because somebody decided that a little beer wasn't going to hurt them before they drove home from work? Open thou mine eyes. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Unfortunately, I have. The young lady that was the talk of the class and the most popular one and the one that all the guys wanted to be with. And have you ever seen the prom princess when she turned 40? Looks more like 60. And her whole life is gone. It says, open thou mine eyes. How many of you have ever seen the young, virulent man? Oh, he's got the world by the tail. You know, everybody wants to be with him. And he turns 35. He's got to trade in his wife because he's not satisfied anymore. Or worse yet, his body is riddled with disease and he doesn't even know his own name anymore because he spent too much time at the party table. Had to have his face put back on because he snorted cocaine and destroyed the whole inside of his skull. These are things that happen. And you see, when I say the Bible has wondrous things in God's law, you know what we do? We ignore that. We say, what's so wonderful about thou shalt not bear false witness? Don't tell lies. How many of you are old enough to know how wonderful it is to live a life without lies? Amen? How many of you are old enough to know 
that it's wonderful to live a life without adultery. To live a life where thou shalt have no other gods before me is possible. How many of you know what it is to wake up in the morning and have some other force determine what you were going to do that day? Do you know what I'm talking about here? Whether it's drugs, whether it's addictions to whatever. It's not fun when the addiction takes over, now is it? But how wonderful is it to escape from those things? Amen? You see, you've got to look at God's... And we're not going to finish this tonight, I'm sorry. I feel like I've skipped about three quarters of what's in the first two verses here. But until God's laws start looking wonderful to us, we will never walk in the way. Until the things where God says, Thou shalt not, start becoming beautiful like a complicated painting of scenery where you want to look at all the little different things that are there. How many of you have seen uh, Thomas Kincaid's works on light? I mean, he's an amazing artist. But they say that in every painting, he has intricately hidden the first initial of his wife's name. And he won't tell her where it is. He wants her to study the art piece and find it. Just a little interesting little bit of history there. But it's one of the ways that he wants to show her that he honors her with his work. And you know what? God has put your name in this book so many times. He has put your life in here. He has given you all the direction you need to make every one of life's decisions. But He wants you to spend a little time looking at the artwork to find out where it is. Amen? Or oh me. See, amen means I agree with that. I'm looking. Omim says, boy, I didn't have a clue. But I want one. This is an incredible book. The things that are in it are beyond our comprehension. But as we apply them in everyday life, I mean, we get down to the end of this thing. Just to give you a little idea where we're going here. Let's uh, skip down here to, uh, what is it, verse 163, I think. No, what is it? 165, I'm sorry, we knew it was right there. 165. Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. How many of you have been offended this week? Raise your hand. 
You got upset about something, right? Okay? Uh, that means you don't love God's law enough. What's going on around you gets you frazzled. It gets to you. It dissuades you. It moves you out. How would you like to be so solid in your relationship with God that the Obama administration doesn't get you upset? Wouldn't that be wonderful? That what our governor does doesn't drive you crazy? Have they gotten the budget yet in Albany? I don't think so. Uh, I mean... If that's what our life was about, it should drive you crazy. Amen? But if your life is about God and His law, because it says, nothing shall offend them. I'm looking forward to the day when I'm spiritually mature enough to drive in New York City and not be offended. How about it, Mr. Bus Driver? Wouldn't that be wonderful? (laughs) but listen it says perfect peace have they that love thy law and nothing shall offend this is where it's going you want something wonderful you see there are people out there whose design purpose for life is to steal your joy They are not happy unless, uh, the book of Proverbs tells us, they, they sleep not except they cause some to fall. Hey, listen. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Deal bountifully. Lord, grow me up. Let me desire the things that ought to be good and not desire the things that are bad for me. Deal bountifully. Deal completely with my soul. Don't let there be one part of my life that is exempt from your control. Lord, I want to live. But real life is keeping thy word. That's where the peace is. Amen? How many of you could think of one instance in your life where obedience to God's word has brought peace to your soul? Could you just lift up a hand to that? Now, there ought to be more than one. Amen? But this is what the psalmist is talking about here. He says, I don't want to just walk in the way. I don't want to just talk about that person that is finally undefiled and walking in the way and he's blessed, some great Christian of the past. He says, I want to be that undefiled one walking in the way. I want to be the one that's blessed, but here's how it starts. Lord, I need you to cleanse my way. I need to take heed according to thy word. Not only do I need to learn how to love thy law, it needs to be my delight. Better than New York cheesecake. Amen? 
Better than, I mean, boy, that disappears around here faster than just about anything, I think. And it ought to. It's good stuff. But what happens if you eat too much of it? All kinds of bad stuff, right? But you know something? If you get too much of God's Word in your life, what's going to happen to you? You're just going to be more ready for heaven, aren't you? You're just going to be less offended by what goes on around you. You're going to be more stable. We live in a world of instability, do we not? How many times am I the only one that said, I think I'm going insane, going insane here. I think I'm losing my sanity. How many people have thought that? I mean... If, if you're alive, you've, you've dealt, how can I handle any, well, here's how you handle. And we'll deal with this as we get through this strophe here. Because he talks about those that would move him out of the way. And how to deal with that. There's always going to be someone there. Amnon had a friend, didn't he? Who destroyed his life. How did he destroy Amnon's life? By helping Amnon get what he wanted. He wasn't thinking about the wondrous things that are in God's law. He wanted to break God's law. He thought that was good. Amnon's friend destroyed Amnon's life. He ended up dying the death of a dog, murdered by his own brother. Why? Because... He wasn't dealt bountifully with. David was a great man. But I really have to question what he did with his children in raising them. Why were David's children so willful in doing wickedness? And you know who the worst one of the whole bunch was? Solomon. Solomon did worse things than all the other ones put together. Why? Because he didn't pay attention to Psalm 119. It may have been that David did write Psalm 119. He seems to be the chief uh, person to to whom this psalm could be attributed Deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and keep thy word. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Don't allow God's law to become trite in your mind. Don't allow God's law to say, okay, I shouldn't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. I shouldn't do that. But one time isn't going to hurt anybody. Whoa, wait a minute. Wondrous things. There are reasons why God's law says no. Ask Him. Behold it. Look at it. Meditate upon it. Let it consume you. 
God's laws will change your life. There's a reason why Moses' face shone when he walked down off the mountain. He was full of the words of God. They were so glorious that he glowed like a human light bulb. And yet, have you ever met a truly surrendered Christian saint? They almost glow now, don't they? I mean, there's just something about them. You just want to be around them. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things. Out of thy law that I may live and keep thy word. Well, we got through two verses. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would take these two verses that we did tonight and Lord, that you would burn them into our souls. Lord, we pray that you would let us take the time that is necessary to have our eyes opened, to be matured your way, not our way, to learn to desire more than just the sweet desserts and confections, but that we would grow and enjoy the meat and potatoes of Your Word, Lord. We pray that we would learn to feed ourselves, and that we would grow, that we would become as that little child that has finally turned loose, that our eyes would behold the wondrous things out of Your Word. Let us esteem your laws as more than our necessary food. Teach us, Lord. In your name we pray. And before we say amen.